Good morning. This is Attorney Vincent Davis, and you're on Get Your Kids Back Now talk radio show. This show is dedicated to keeping families together and to fighting the tyranny of CPS and DCFS social workers. A secondary purpose of this show is to educate parents and relatives or to at least show them where to get the necessary information for their fight. The final purpose of this show is to remind the people that change can be effectuated at the ballot box, at the state and the federal levels. Let us unite, vote, and elect those who will make the necessary changes to keep our families together. Good morning. This morning I'm uh, broadcasting from an Orange County studio, and we are have a lot to cover this morning. I want to talk about... Um, criminal backgrounds and the need to uh, have a criminal background check if you are involved in a DCFS or CPS matter. First, I want to tell you that um, what's in the statute, and I want to tell you what policies and procedures are of social workers and how the those policies and procedures somehow conflict or sometimes conflict with what the law is and whether this can be used against you. Um, currently involved in a case and um, the social worker has placed the children with relatives. The social worker required all of the relatives to fingerprint or what they call live scan and uh, to make sure that they didn't have a criminal background. This is required by law. So relatives or close family friends who want to take care of children and perhaps or want to visit with children or do activities with children um, have to be live scanned or fingerprinted. There is no requirement for a parent to live scan or fingerprint, in my opinion, in the code. So in this particular case, my client will not subject himself to being fingerprinted. In that case, the social worker is trying to use that against him. Um, And it seemed that the judge was also a little concerned Uh, But I brought up to the court that there is nothing in the law that says the parent has to do a live scan. Now, the social workers will always tell you, you have to do a live scan, even if you're a parent. And I always take the position with my clients, it is not required. That's not in the law. Nowhere in the law does it say the parents have to do it. Um, Some people argue, well, the state of California and its legislature overlooked that and forgot to put in that parents have to take a fingerprint and life scan. However, I argue the exact opposite, that they did put it in specifically because they specifically require it of relatives, of foster parents, and of close family friends who take care of children, but they didn't include it in for parents. And I think it's a privacy issue, and it's a privacy issue that social workers in my opinion, should respect and that judges in the juvenile court system should also respect. Right now, I'm going to take our first call. It's from area code 562, ending in 48. Oh. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good. How are you? This is Daniel. 
Yeah, I went through the whole thing with the life scan deal, and I belong I belong to Project Fatherhood, and when I had mentioned it in there, uh, they said they never heard of a parent or a father having to life scan like that and fingerprint, and uh, several of the other guys had to do the same thing. So you mean they had to life scan? Uh, according to the social worker. Right, yeah, according to the social worker. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, that's the so, – that, and, and the social worker is telling the parent what the social worker believes is required under the social worker's policies and procedures. But it's not required by law, and, and you can refuse to live scan if you're a parent, just like you can refuse to give your social security number. There are federal privacy laws. Yeah, that's real interesting to know. I went to a life scan place, a legitimate place. I paid sixty bucks and went ahead and do that. Did that because I figured, you know, they had mentioned that. And when I went to the DCSF office, they said, "Oh no, that's no good here. You have to go through our life scan services, which is free." So I don't care. I would have done it and you know saved some money had I known. But uh, it just seemed kind of weird to me. So. Daniel, are you, you're a parent, correct? Yes, I am. And the social worker kept insisting that you had to live scan? Is that correct? Yes, they did, yes. Okay. All right. And and you went ahead and live scanned for them? Yes, I did. I figured in my mind I'll do what I have to to get my child back, and this is what they're telling me their requirements are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I mean, that's your choice. You could have done it. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your case? Okay. In uh, March of 2013, my child was taken from me because uh, she was born uh, on substance. She was born with meth in her system. Uh, And her mom... uh, was warned about this, and they said, give the, your child to, you know, a relative, your mom, or or the, the baby's father. And she said, I want the baby's father to have my daughter. So she handed my daughter to me. I had her for like two weeks. Social workers are knocking on the door. They have they want to question me about allegations. And I said, what allegations? What are you talking about? And so. Uh, they said, based on what they know, they would have to take my child. So I figured, you know what, I'm going to do what I have to to get my daughter back. And I did my homework. And come to find out, I had to drug test for five months. I had to do five months of parenting. I had eight months of individual counseling. I had seven months of family preservation. I've had two years of Project Fatherhood. And they were asked if I'd do a 7:30 evaluation. I did that. They said that I came out uh, was too uh, defensive, and they asked me to do another 7:30 evaluation. So I went ahead and did that. This is over 27 months. Right now I'm in a review stage. I'm supposed to get my daughter back June 17th. Uh, her mother's been in prison. She's been in prison, going to be in prison supposedly for four years. She's been there about a year, year and a half. But now I read that the thing is they're going to, my daughter's going to be with me, but there's a possibility that when the mother comes out, it could be some kind of joint custody. Her rights are supposed to be 
determinated. But it's the, the, the social workers tell you so many different things that aren't true, and uh, it's frustrating sometimes. So that's where I'm at with this whole thing, and I have to keep reminding them it's not about me. It's about my daughter. I want to make sure that she has a good life, the child. Right. Well, Daniel, you, you, you mentioned something interesting. The mother had given you the child, um, but then the social worker came to you and took the child away from you. Is that what you said? Correct. Yes, she was with me for two weeks, and then she was taken. Well, when she was taken, did the did the social worker have a warrant or a court order to take the child? Not at all. Not at all. That's you know, I'm I try and cooperate, and I'm I don't know the law. I didn't know. You know, I wish I would have had an attorney with me at that time because they were kind of insinuating the law. The moms do it, and by the way, the mom and I had split up because she had a drug problem. But they figured the mom has a problem, the father has a problem. They just assumed it. Well, when did they take your child? What month and year was this? March 10th of 2013. No, 14. I'm sorry, 2014. And you sure they didn't have a court order or a warrant? Oh, no. Not at all. Not at all. Did they take you to juvenile court? Uh, took a uh, long time. Uh, I can't remember. Probably, uh, let's see, March. I think it was April or May of that same year that I went to Monterey Park. And um, they had my daughter in uh, foster care. They promised the foster parents they would be able to adopt my, adopt my daughter. And my mom and my sister, two separate family households, they went life scan and did everything they were supposed to to place my daughter in their care temporarily. And it never happened for 13 months. And that's when I found out about the Child Welfare Act. And I downloaded the paperwork off your website and walked it over to him. And I handed it to him. And I said, you guys need to move my daughter to my mom's or to my sister's house right away. And they did. So you handed them papers um, that were from my website. So when he saw it, he saw it was from my website. Yes, I saw that, and it said Child Welfare Act, Section 309. The social worker must do their due diligence to place the child with friendly family members. And, uh, you know, I saw that downloaded and went over personally handed it to the guy. But I had been asking him this through the whole case. When are you going to move my daughter? Oh, well, you know, she's in a safe place with these people, and, you know, I don't want to rock anything. Um, she'll, she'll be coming home with you pretty soon. All along they're saying she's going to be coming home with me pretty soon, and just never happened. Actually, they told me she would come home with me uh, April of 2014, that they were going to close the case. But they've, they've kept dragging it out all this time. You know, I, I, I want to, because that's a big lie they tell you. Oh, wait. We're going to get the child to you very soon. But, Daniel, I want to make something clear in my mind. They took the child away from you March 14, 2014. Is that what you said? Yes. Yes. And they and you didn't go to court until April or May? Yeah. It might even have been June. I'll have to go through my paperwork. It was a two or three months. It was a little time. 
before you went to court? Yes. The reason why I'm so surprised is because you're supposed to be in court within 48 hours when they take your child. That did not happen. They just told me they got too many cases, and I'm I'm another person in line. That's incredible, Daniel. Um, Daniel, I would like you to call my office, set up an appointment, and uh, we have to talk further about this because you may have claims uh, for civil rights violations, uh, not only claims of yours, but claims of your relatives and claims of the child. Okay, that sounds good. I have documented everything, every trip that I made up to Silmar to visit my daughter, every every penny that I spent, every bit of time. You know, I made 178 trips up there through the whole process, courts, what. Anytime I talked to a social worker, I wrote down what he said and what everyone, I just, I documented everything. So I have all that paperwork and I'm going to bring everything with me. Thank you, Daniel. And thank you for calling this morning. I appreciate it. All right. I appreciate you. You guys have done a great job helping my family. And I want to thank you so much and have a, have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. The next call I'm going to take is from area code 916, ending in 91. That's 916, I believe that's Sacramento County. Hi, Good morning. You're my on name. with it. A... I I am going go to I I I'm going to go by Sarah as being my name. I contacted okay. your law office yesterday and I have every intention of hiring and retaining your uh a law office for um, my attorney, okay? Thank you. I had, oh, I have to. I have uh, a court-appointed attorney right now. My court-appointed attorney is not advocating for me. She is not presenting evidence to the court. I mean, um, my daughter, um, me and my husband, who are now separated in the process of getting a divorce, he is engaged to another woman, got into a physical altercation. My, He was arrested for beating on me. My child was removed out of my care and custody. They felt as if I was not able to safely protect my child from domestic violence. I've completed two domestic violence programs for prevention on how to learn not to get beat up. Um, I'm in the process of completing my third one now. I have completed two parenting classes. I'm in the process of completing my third one now. I'm in counseling. I'm in therapy. Everybody is advocating for me, including my family, saying I'm benefiting. I'm doing a great job. I've made so many changes. The social worker comes to meet with me in the month of March and says, I'm going to give you unsupervised visits. Um, we're going to progress your case because you're doing so well. Um, we go to court in April, and it says something completely different. She's not what recommending. She's not recommending supervised visits because of an incident that I had with regards to my son. We were arguing, my 19-year-old son, 
and I were arguing in the car. I pulled over. He's, we were arguing about me using my phone while driving. Um, in court, they asked me yesterday, was I texting on my phone on the freeway? And the truth is, I was not texting while on the freeway. The truth was, I was using my phone on the freeway. There's a difference. I am a certified paralegal that has never used my uh, certified, so I have a little bit of legal knowledge. I was taught when answering a question, you answer it honestly. If you ask, did you text? The answer is no, but I was on the phone. So the judge finds me continuing to be not credible and lying in the court. Okay? So I went Mm -hmm. to trial yesterday. The other allegation was I forged an email. My friend called me and witnessed my husband in another domestic dispute with another female that's not his fiancée in Walmart in November of 2015. I advised my friend, you need to report that and bring that to the social worker's attention. My friend did not feel comfortable because she had a history with with my husband as well. He's been very violent, slashing her tires, very abusive to her. So when the incident occurred, when the social worker in March we went to, she said in March she's going to allow me unsupervised visits and eventually my baby would be placed back in my home. In April, she says, um, she says one thing, actually wrote out a plan that the baby is coming back to me, aware of the incident that occurred between me and my son in February with regards to us arguing about text messaging, phone calls on a freeway, she still was recommending unsupervised visits, but when she gets to the court, the papers, her court report says something entirely different. Okay? Mm-hmm. We, con- we continue to go to court because my husband is fighting for custody for the child to be placed back with his care even though he's with a new female, which he has a history of domestic violence with her. My husband has an extensive history with regards to domestic violence and cruelty to children, convicted criminally. I have a history, long history, of CPS cases, child dependency cases. Um, When we go to court yesterday... It's the issue of my friend reporting the argument or domestic violence that she witnessed at her job in Walmart. The social worker wrote in her report that the friend says she's not aware of the email and it is a forgery on my part. Um. My friend said, no, wait a minute, I never said you forged an email. I told her, I didn't, she asked me, did I write an email in September? And I didn't write no email in September, so I told her no. 
I didn't write an email in September. I wrote you an email in March. And everything that is in the email is true that I witnessed. So I got a notarized statement from my friend to present in court because they're saying I forged this email. And I'm not credible. I'm a liar. So anything that comes out of my mouth, I'm lying and I'm not credible. I'm benefiting from services. I'm actually doing great. But I'm not credible. So I got a notarized statement from my friend, and she doesn't present it. The attorney only asked me one question. Were you texting on the freeway? And the answer was no. And she said, no further questions. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's a whole bunch more to address, but you know you can't get out of order in the courtroom because it looks manipulative and controlling. You look out of order if you try to present your own defense, if you try to advocate for yourself. So my attorney did not present the evidence of the call logs, which would have showed that I was actually on the phone and I wasn't texting on the freeway. I was actually on the phone, on speakerphone, with my sister for 20 seconds. My sister wrote a statement saying she was on speakerphone for 20 seconds. That wasn't presented in the courts. The letters from my therapist and my counselor are not given to the courts, and this notarized letter from my, from my friend stating she sent the email is not in the courts. My friend does not want to come forward and testify in court due to fear. This man is psychotic. Very psychotic. There was allegations of molestation. And the agency did not, his own girlfriend reported his current girlfriend, one of his current girlfriends, my husband's current girlfriends, reported molestation to me in 2014. I gave the information to the social worker in 2015. It was not even investigated or looked at until 2015, which it would be April of 2015 the matter was looked into by simply calling one fam- two, three family members and one of them admitting to, yes, there is allegations of molestation. Two people have came forward saying there's allegations of molestation, and they find that it is a cloud over my husband's head because it's not being able to be proven because of the lack of investigation regarding this matter. Mm-hmm. A couple of questions. Yes, please. What county is your case in? I live in Sacramento County, and the case is in Ventura County. And yesterday was the trial to have the case transferred to Sacramento. The baby lives in Sacramento. I live in Sacramento. All of her, the baby and my support team, her siblings, her aunts, uncles, everybody lives in Sacramento, California. The only person that lives in Ventura County is her father, which is my ex-husband. He's the only one that lives in Ventura. I am not being given all my services. Like, I had to find my own 
therapist. I had to find my own counselor. I had to find my own um, domestic violence classes, my own parenting classes. I have to do everything on my own because they don't, Ventura County does not have a contract with Sacramento County. Well, let me ask you this. Um, when is your next court date? Um, in, well, they have an interim, and I don't know what that is. Like I said, I'm a certified paralegal that's never used my certification. They have an interim July 5th, or no, I'm sorry, July 6th which is basically the recommendations of the court. Um, They did what was good about yesterday's court. My baby is only one years old. They said due to my daughter's age, they usually adopt the child out. But due to the fact that she sees that me and the father have done extensive services, there is minimum benefit or proof that my husband is benefiting from services on his part. However, there is significant benefit on my part, but yet I'm still on monitored visits. So when is, after the interim report, when is the next court date and what type of court date is it? It is the year review. The 12-month review? I'm sorry, it's the 8th. 18-month review in September. Okay. And I want to say, I where want to say child, it's going to be the beginning. Where is your child place? With my mother in Sacramento, California. Do you get along with your mother? Yes. We, now, yes. Within the past uh, five months, yes, we do get along very well. I can see my daughter anytime I want. She's writing letters to the court supporting me. The father does weird things at the visits when he's visiting with my mom. My mom is reporting it, how he wants to keep changing the baby's diaper, even when the baby is not wet. Even when she hasn't soiled herself, he wants to keep changing the diapers. And my mom is telling the courts, hey, wait a minute, there's a concern here. There's a concern with this guy wanting to keep changing, and at this point, I'm refusing. As her care provider, I'm refusing to allow him to change her diapers. And if you guys don't like it, oh, well. You guys are going to have to remove this child out of my care and custody because I'm protecting this child from this man. Keep on changing her diapers. Did you um, participate in all the court-ordered family reunification programs? I've completed, on top of added some my own, I've completed two domestic violence programs. And that I've completed two counselings. I've completed two parenting classes. I'm working on, and I've presented certificates to the courts. And I'm, the, the counselors are all saying she's benefiting. She's done a turnaround. I had issues of making impulse decisions, manipulating, and controlling. Due to my impact from domestic violence, and every other week was beating on me, putting guns to my head, telling me, B, you're never going to leave me. Well, and they would say, you do me a favor? Yes, sir. I would like you to call my office today. There will be someone there after 9 a.m., 
You oh, I've already talked at... to Carrie. Okay. I've already got your retainer information. Like I said, I have every intent on hiring you as my attorney. <laughs> Very good. There's a lot. There's a lot of things that we can do to try to get the child back to you. And one of the things is that we will immediately file what's called a 388 petition to uh, either have the child returned or to liberalize your visitation from monitored to unmonitored and to try to get you overnight if the child isn't returned to you. So let's get that rolling and uh, call Carrie on Monday, and we'll start on your case immediately. I want to thank you for calling us this morning. I do have a question. Do you guys have any programs or any services with regards to assisting parents with the retainers? Um, we don't, okay. mainly because the state of California, the general rule is that a lawyer can't assist the client in financing uh, its case, the client's case. Okay. So, well, I know some attorneys do pro bono or payment arrangements mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We have... Our our office does pro bono, but uh, we have a limit of 10 pro bono cases at any one time. And right now, I think we have 12 pro bono cases. So we're at it. We're over over our limit on that. And in your case, in your particular case, since we're in Southern California and you're in Sacramento, there's no way that we could do it pro bono. The travel cost alone is going to be significant. No, no, no. No, the case is in Ventura County. Oh, you are in Ventura right. County. Said it was a, no, well, right. we I've been traveling. I've been traveling ah. to Ventura County. We've been yeah. attempting to transfer. The social worker requested that the case be transferred to Sacramento because the child is here. Her support system is here. I'm The mother is here. The only person that's in Ventura County is the father. And the judge said pretty much no. And um, the child's attorney is actually for the father. And the father has a private attorney, some Johnny Cochran, excuse my French, but who is doing a dang good job advocating for his client. I mean, I Do you know who the father's his, attorney his, is? Michael Randolph. Michael, Michael Randolph. Randolph. Yes. I know Michael Randall. Well, Michael let me just tell you, he is... Michael, my, Michael Randall's office is in Lancaster, California. And uh, I've known Michael probably 25 years. I got to tell you this. He is doing a great job advocating for his client. Well, you know he what? I will tell him a... that you said that. Don't say that. Because I, I don't, <laughs> but, I think it would be, <laughs> after the case is over, you can say that. Okay. But if we get on the case and represent you, it's going to be a battle royale. Well, he is doing a great job advocating for his client. And my social worker, my court-appointed attorney is not advocating for me mm. at all. So can you right. give me a little bit of legal, what? Other than the fact of retaining, okay, I do have a question for you. 
I just gave you a whole bunch. I just verbally vomited on you, but I didn't ask no question. My question is this. (laughs) How much I am in the process, I'm a commercial truck driver now. I get paid about, oh, $3,000 a month. I am pretty much eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, not getting my nails done. I've cut, basically, my daughter is valuable to me the most valuable thing in my world. So I'm not, I'm making every complete sacrifice to come up with $7,500. So with regards to how much notice or once I retain, how much time do you need to review the case and put together your defense to truly advocate for me? Because you're going to, the court date is in, I got two court dates. One is an interim in July. I don't believe I'll have the complete funds by then but I know I will by September. How much time do you need to get caught up up to speed without having to continue the court case? Probably about two or three weeks. Okay. So prior before my court date, I need... Now, how do you get the file? Can I contact my current attorney and say, hey, I've retained uh, Vincent Davis... And oh, my name is Davis as well. I want to let you know that my my last name is Davis too, and so is my husband's last name Davis. So this is going to be a whopper. <laughs> so once I, have, I you need I have at to, least, I have to warn you. I have to warn you about something. Yes, sir. If if at all possible, do not wait to retain me because I told you I know Michael Randall. Okay. I've known him for years. He is going to work that case in getting the child released to the father before you even get me on the case. And then it's going to be harder for me to get you the child back. So you need to be filing your 388 now. But I don't have the money to retain you yet. And I've called my friends and family asking well, you know what? Call our office Monday and talk to Carrie's supervisor. His name is Bert Johnson. Maybe he will work something out for you. I want to thank you for calling this morning. Okay. I have to move thank on you. to other callers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Gotcha. Have a great day. Okay, the next call I'm going to is area code 909, ending in 19. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Good morning. This is Richard. Hi, Richard. Did you have a story or a question you wanted to ask? Um, actually, I'm, I'm on this uh, talk show today because I was invited uh, by one of your staff members. I actually um, emailed your services uh, on Thursday night and got a, an immediate response Thursday night, and I read your book. Uh, first off, I'd like to thank you so much for having me on your talk show and let you know that I feel so privileged and honored to be speaking to you. What you have in your book is incredible. It's exactly everything I've been going through. I am the father of – go ahead. No, no, I was going to say thank you for that compliment. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I, I hope to someday meet you soon. Uh, I, I live okay. and reside in Southern California. All right, so you said you're the father of? Five children. 
that um, were taken from me in August 2015. Mm -hmm. I've been dealing with uh, Children Family Services since the birth of the eldest boy uh, in 2011. Because uh, I didn't know my rights, Children Family Services took my son in 2011 from the hospital and kept him in foster care for nine months before I was ever allowed to be given him to my custody. Um, Through that whole process, I did everything they asked of me. Domestic violence class, parenting, fatherhood, anger management, individual counseling, and Eleanor. Doing that while working full-time in a management position, a salaried position, and also visiting my son uh, twice a week. Um, I was traveling from employment in Chino to downtown Los Angeles to do the classes to Victorville to do the visits. All this happening seven days a week. At that time, I was dealing directly with the foster parents. Um, So the first four children, Children's Family Services was involved at every one of their births. Once I realized and understood my rights, after my son, then the following three children came home directly to me because I understood what my rights were. And I still had to go through the process of having children family services involved, but with my first four children, I was able to complete everything that was asked of me and basically close the cases. Once my fifth child was born, I also took him home prior social workers that I had dealt with, I always had a very good relationship with. They were both male and female. And I never had any issues with them. They, for the most part, commended me because I was raising my children on my own. But then this social worker came along on my newest born, who is now 10 months old. So they were taken from me nine months ago at the time when my newborn was only a month old. I was arrested that day. The charges were child abuse. Um, I don't have any kind of relationship with the social worker. I never never did. She has been very, uh, towards me, very foul. So right now um, I'm seeking legal advice outside of the uh, court-appointed public defender because I'm not getting anywhere with this public defender, and I feel like I'm just being herded through the process to ultimately lose my children. I went to court this past Thursday, the 19th of May. I have in front of me the status review report. This report is primarily focusing in on one of my children, uh, a daughter that is 17 months old. And the hearing type 
is a 366.21 six-month review. Basically, what I'm understanding here is that they plan to adopt her out in the next six months, where I'll lose her forever. And I just can't have that. I won't allow it. The social worker... When is your next... When is your next court date? June 22nd, 2016. And do you know what that's for? Is that for a contested six-month review? I don't know. It's, uh, the, the, social, the public defender wrote on the back of a business card uh, the date, the time, and what appears to be the letter C, apostrophe 22, or C122. I'm not sure what that is. Okay, so that means that it's a contested two hearing. And uh, if you don't win this trial, your child or children could be possibly placed outside of your custody permanently and may be adopted out. Let me ask you, where is your case? What county? San Bernardino. Okay. Over there on Gilbert Street? Correct. All right. So, what courtroom were you in? In courtroom four, five, six, or seven? Seven. Okay. Uh, it's a female judge, right? Yes. In fact, okay. this Thursday was a different female judge. Well, th- if you went this Thursday, that woman is now assigned permanently to your case. The prior female judge in that courtroom had short black hair with like a purple streak in it. I don't. I don't recall seeing that. She. What I recall from her, she was slender. You can only see her from yeah. basically mid mid level up, and she. Yeah, she, she slender. Was the, she was. She was the judge assigned in that courtroom for it seems like a year and a half, two years. She's been transferred, and the new female judge is in there. Um, I just did a case in front of her. I was there this week. Um, she's. She seems like she's very fair. But you got to win this case, and you got to meet with your uh, public defender, or you got to hire a private attorney. And there's a lot of stuff you're going to have to do in order to prepare for this case. For example, you're going to have to come up with a strategy and a theme. You're going to have to come up with uh, certain witnesses that you're going to have to have subpoenaed to court. You're going to have to subpoena the court, excuse me, the social workers to court. Um, and you're going to have to come up with an outline of questioning for all of these witnesses. So you're going to have to move on it. You said your next court date is the end of June. So you have a little bit of time, but you've got to get started on it right away. If you'd like, um, you can call my office today. There's someone there today from 9 to 5, and there's someone there tomorrow from 12 to 5. We have a limited uh, crew that works on Sunday. Call my office and make an appointment either in person or on the phone or Skype to talk to me more in detail about your case because there's a lot that needs to be done and there's a lot that can be done to get your children back. I want to thank you for calling this morning. I always appreciate uh, your calls, your questions, and your stories. Thank you very much, and believe me, I will be advertising your book aggressively to people because from the stories I hear when I'm there at the court waiting in the lobby, there are so many parents that are in such dire need of your services. 
and your book is exceptional. And well, thank you very I mean, much. Thank you for I appreciate making it available that. as you do. Alrighty, I will meet you book. soon. Alrighty, thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. I just want to say to our audience that I wrote that book especially for parents and relatives. It's uh, 72 pages long. It's a very easy read, and it, it explains things that you should know. It explains things that you must know if you have a case involved in the juvenile dependency system. You can, you can buy that book on uh, Amazon. It's called The Secret, Fight Child Protective Services and Win. So you can go to Amazon.com and buy the book. But better yet, you can go to my website and you can download the book for free. All right, I'm going to take another call. Uh, this call is area code 808, ending in 42. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Good morning. Uh, I've been I've been trying to listen to your call as much as possible. I'm all the way in Hawaii, so I have to wake up very, very early in the morning, but whatever I can possibly get from listening to you is so extremely valuable, and I just want to thank you again from the bottom of my heart for for doing this for parents because, as you know, I I spoke for a couple of minutes at the last, last week, I believe, and I thought about it later, and I thought, you know what, when I had the opportunity to be on the air, I should have just come straight out and said what CPS is all about because I know that you can't really do that being that you're a lawyer and that would probably be considered slanderous towards them. But what I've what I've figured out after being literally tortured by these people for the past three and a half years is that they have one goal in mind and that is to do everything possible your children in the system until they turn 18 because they're making so much money off of these kids. They will literally make, on average, about a, a million dollars per kid if they can keep them in the system until they turn 18. And they have made up just constant lies to try and bury me. My kids were never even harmed in the first place. But it seems to be a growing trend that they're putting kids in the system who weren't harmed and then making up lies and continuing to make up lies and just hold on to the kids for as long as they possibly can, dragging out um, court dates, not allowing you to have trials, and so on and so forth, just in an effort to keep a hold of those kids as long as they possibly can and try to to go over the timelines so that they can keep the kids and keep them in the system permanently. You know, I I sometimes feel the same way uh, and feel that, you know, what you have expressed is true. It is very frustrating sometimes meeting people and listening to these family stories about not being, you know, uh, having their children with them. Um, the last time we talked, um, because you're the only caller I've ever had from Hawaii, um, I told you to get an attorney who was experienced in the juvenile dependency area there in Hawaii, and I hope you have been able to do that. 
I want to thank you for calling. I've got a lot of calls left in the queue, and I'm going to try to get to them. But please keep listening, and please, please keep me posted on your case. Okay. I did get an attorney, actually. Um, call from Hawaii. I wonder what time it is there. I think we're six hours ahead. Alrighty. The next call I'm going to take is area code six six nine, ending in seven nine. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Did you have a question, or did you want to share a story with us? Um. Yes. Well, I I am a, a grandmother of three children. But um, similar to the stories that I've heard, they're, they're taken away and more so um, focus on one of the children. And um, I have been missing them and I've been seeing the same um, things happening as the other people I've related because, you know, we know what the system is doing, unfortunately. And up to this point, uh, I knew in my heart that I uh, I needed to get an attorney to fight that. Even though I'm just an outsider looking in my into my daughter's case, but um, uh, I I do agree that that we need an attorney, and the case is uh, is going on for a, a while. And I think that, um, that they have. My daughter has until July for the final, uh, um, you know, decisions, and, and and they have been dragging it just to end with the result that they want to see. So at this point, what uh, are our, our uh, odds of getting in still? What county is your case in? Uh, this is Santa Clara County. And are the children placed with relatives? We have a case of uh, um, the a youngest one was taken from the hospital the same way uh, due to domestic violence. And they, she was supposed to come home with with, with my daughter and, and I and stay with us. The other two um, boys, 6 and 11, they stayed with um, uh, my daughter's fiancé. And where is the baby? And the baby was taken from the hospital and placed in foster care. Okay, so why isn't the baby with relatives? Um, they just decided to do that. I guess they already had someone that wanted to. They placed them in foster care with people that are already wanting to adopt, and then they they make up the case and, and drag us. Uh, and the, the the foster parents have an attorney. I'm not even sure if they are the ones paying for it. The child's um, lawyer is all for the 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 the. the the, the foster parents and everything is all all on their side. The, the child advocate and, and everybody. So okay, well, if you if you know any relatives that want to get the baby, have them call my office. I'm going to give well, you a telephone number, and I'm going to give them some advice on what to do. What about the uh, chances for for the mother? At this point, um, she's been working on all the things that they asked. 
she's finished all the classes and all everything that she's that they ask for. Then she should be able to get the child back. Have the mother call me, and I will talk to her in detail about her case, so that she can get this child or these children back in her custody. Okay. She is all actually right. listening. She's listening in, and she has called in. I don't know if you're going to take a call. What's her uh, area code? Uh, 408. Oh, she's the next caller in the queue. I'm going to get off the phone with you, and I'm going to take her call, okay? Oh, thank you. Good morning. My name is Attorney Vincent Davis. I think I was just talking to your mother. Yes, good morning. So you have a case in Santa Clara County? That's right. Uh, what was your last court date, and when is your next court date, and what's the next court date for? Hello. Um, are you are you familiar with Santa Clara County? Have you worked? Yes, there I am. You know, I I think we had one case there maybe two or three years ago. But we practice all over uh, California. I have cases in Shasta County. I have cases in Humboldt, San Francisco, San Diego, Los Angeles, Riverside, San Diego. Did you uh, not want to tell me the next court date and what it was for? No, I will. I, I just wanted to know if you are familiar with the judges and any of the other players in Santa Clara County for CPS as you are with some other counties. Um, it's been it's been a quite a while, uh, so I would have to say at this instant, um, I'm not familiar with Santa Clara County players. Not that I think that it matters. The law is the same all over California. Um, okay. Well, um, I'm glad to hear that it's the same because I... Um, the other day, I heard that there are some laws specific to my county. No, the law is the same uh, in Santa Clara as it is in Los Angeles. Well, maybe it's the rules um, around. I'm sorry? Um, maybe these uh, laws that I thought were different to my county were actually. Um, rules that social workers have for communicating with them. Hmm, I'm not sure what, exactly what you mean. And relaying but, uh, information the to the court through the social workers, which is the only way I'm able to relay information aside from my lawyer. No, it's not true. The laws are the same all over the state of California. What about um, speaking in court? Because my my attorney tells me that she prefers that I not speak in court. She's um, willing to have a, me a, testify during a trial, but she discourages me from speaking during court hearings to the judge. Yeah, that's not a good thing. I um, haven't done it well, yet. Well, I shouldn't say I haven't. I shouldn't say that. You know, your attorney is licensed. Your attorney is familiar with your case. Hopefully your attorney is doing a good job for you. 
So um, if your attorney is advising you to do something or not to do something, that's something that you should seriously consider. I don't know all the facts about your case and the circumstances surrounding your case. So without knowing that, I would generally tell you to follow your attorney's advice. Unless you told me something that you haven't said, like my attorney's not doing anything for me. Well, in my last discussion with my attorney, I asked her to do a little more for me, and she felt that she was doing everything that she could that was in her power, and that recently, after a lot of successes with her in court, we've been getting shut down a few times in a row, and she herself said that she was becoming discouraged about this case, but she still feels confident and she's willing to fight for my children's return. Okay. You know, what I would like to do is I would like to give you a phone number. I would like you to call it immediately and make an appointment to talk to me either on the phone or via Skype. It's a free consultation. And we can get more into the details of your case. Right now, uh, this morning, we're running out of time on our radio show. We have about two minutes and 30 seconds left in the show, and I have to do, I have to do some wrap-up. But if you have a pen and a paper, I'll give you the telephone number. You can call and make that appointment. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, 888-888-888. 882. That's triple eight triple eight six five eight two. So give me a call and uh, I'll get more in detail with you about your case. All right? Yes, thank you. And I have one more question for thank you. It's possible to have more than one attorney working on my case at one time. It depends on because the attorney. My current and attorney is depends. very familiar with my case, but I was thinking that it would, might be helpful to have someone who maybe has a, a different approach or is bolder. Right. Well, in, it is possible. In their request. Depends on the attorneys. Depends on the attorneys, but we'll talk about more of that when you call and talk to me for your free consultation, okay? Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. And thank you for calling, ma'am. I appreciate it. Bye bye. Okay, next week. Next week on next week's show, if you want to be a guest to call in and tell your story or to ask questions, you can call at 646-668-8791. That's 646-668-8791. If you want to look at my websites uh, to get information like my book or look at some of my video or read some of my blogs, uh, you can go to www dot fight child protective services dot com or help fight cps dot com or fcps dot lawyer the f stands for fight not what you think fcps dot lawyer i want to remind everyone to please go out and register to vote and vote for those family friendly judges that will keep our families together in juvenile court. 
We will see you next week on the radio. And thank you very much for listening.